Okay, Philippians 1, 9 through 11 uh, is what we're studying today, starting in the ninth verse. But I'll read the first, um, reading from verse 3 here, and then I'll read our verses for today. Um, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, verse 3, always offering prayer and with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the God and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So that's the first, um, that's actually the second paragraph of Philippians. The first paragraph was um, when he opens the letter and says, Paul and uh, Timothy to the saints at Philippa. That's the first paragraph. Uh, above is the second paragraph. And we're going to the third paragraph now, which is our lesson for today, uh, starting in verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Uh, so verse 9 is, I'll just begin with the first phrase here. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer. I'm working on adjusting my screen here. I apologize. Um, it's, it's, so he begins this prayer. And whenever Paul prays, he gives, um, it's a, it's a it's prayer. He, he gives, he doesn't, pray he gives the purpose and substance of what he's praying about on a daily basis or probably a you know how many times does he pray a day in prison so but he says this is my purpose and substance of the prayers that i pray for you so not the actual prayer but the content of his prayers and he, he says that your love will abound still more and more is how is what he's been praying Love is, and this is review for us, uh, love is agape love. It's divinely sourced um, and it's characterized by being a sacrificial love. Um, it's focused on the beneficiary of that love, and it's non-rescindable. It's undeserved love, and it's the love that Christ has for his church, right? So that's agape love. That's what he's talking about should abound more and more. And this is from Macaulay. Um, and I like what he says. He wraps this into uh, the definition of agape in from first uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Um, he says, love endures all things. And that's our word meno to abide up under or bear up courageously Love bears up courageously under things. So he says, uh, when love has no evidence, it believes all things. When 
the evidence is as adverse uh, to circumstances, love hopes all things. And when love is disappointed, love endures all things. And that he, he has this uh, kind of circular uh, form of looking at First Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and the definition of agape love there, which is really nice. I like that. Um, so that love may abound. Abound is persuo. Um, it's to be preeminent and to excel. Um, but even beyond that, even further than that, to excel still more and increase in excellence. Um, now I want to write, I want to get that back to that word parasuo. I'm going to write down. Um, you, you see that it has, it can increase in excellence. We'll want to remember that. Um, it's an active verb because we're going to come up with the, another word uh, in verse 10, excellent. But the verse, the word in verse 10, which is excellent, doesn't really mean excellent, but we'll see that. Um, so he, the second phrase here, that your love will abound still more and more. Um, not only does Paul use parasuo, or um, to go further, but even further than that, he adds this in, um, still more and more. So it's ever increasing degrees of agape love. So it's super abounding love. So I see this as he uses the word parasuo, and then he says still more and more, which is excel, excel more. And it's like a triple triple excel you see how that is he's got a lot of excelling in this verse nine doesn't he um and, and growing and and so there's there's this all this uh, he and what Vern would say Vern Peterman he'd say he really wants you to know that your love should really 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 excel <laughs> It's how he <laughs> stated it. He just added in a lot of reallys. I like that, how he did that. Um, however, there's a qualifying element to this love abounding, and that's in real knowledge um, and discernment in that sphere. So it's limited to real knowledge and discernment. And real knowledge is, uh, and this is, we know this word too, it's epinosis. Um, it's precise and correct knowledge, but only of divine things. Um, it's true because it relates to the things of God and God is true and the things of God are true. So it has to be true knowledge and correct knowledge. How do we get epinosis? Anyone want to venture a guess so so andrew i i think that's an experiential knowledge that comes from a direct and frequent uh relationship um i don't know if that's well worded but right and how about this too by taking in doctrine right the intake of doctrine but, right. but you could be intellectually well-founded in doctrine but not have the experience right yeah right yeah, and um, 
we'll, we'll get to that um, in a few more points. But, but yeah. without the, without the yeah. doctrine, you can't have the experience. Well, there's, I agree with that, but you could, you know, there are people who go to seminary and know the Bible, that's the right, who don't have the yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, is it not? I mean, mm-hmm. Is it that difficult for all of us? True. Could it be another way of saying it is uh, we can know it, uh, but we don't necessarily metabolize it. It's Ooh, like eating food. Uh, it can either go through you like, and go on out, or it can go in there and metabolize and change your change the way you think. You guys are reading my mind here. Oh, no. <laughs> it must be. We're all of the same mind, aren't we? Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Mind of Christ, I hope, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like this, how Merriman puts this epinosis, and he says it's an intensified form of knowledge. Intensified because it you, and I've done this before, I think in a first John class, this same sort of definition. You personalize it because in your inner man it's intensified because it goes down to your inner inner man and he, i like how he says it here he, it, it's knowledge that gets a hold of you you have it and it has you and it gets to your core and he says it's a wow knowledge it's not like a uh, take it or leave it knowledge it uh, you're, you're gonna when you under have that understanding you're gonna go you know and you've all had that experience where you're like wow that's incredible information. Well, yes, like Romans seven twenty two. In my inner man, I delight in God's law. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's our inner man that it really enjoys the fellowship with Christ. Yeah. Um, it, Merriman says uh, it starts out as gnosis, and once gnosis works its way way down, like Bob was saying, to the inner man, it becomes epinosis, um, experiential. I like how he says, and here's also what we've just been discussing. It's He calls it uh, doctrine is a fortifying protein for the inner man. Uh, the inner man builds itself up on doc- systematic taking in of God's word, um, the ordered teaching of God's word. And once it's it gets in there, it, it builds, uh, and the inner man can then flex and Merriman describes that as in your inner man uh, that you'll have Bible knowledge, but then you'll grow and become strong. And that that uh, uh, information or doctrine will work itself up through the soul and cause your soul to operate and act out through the facets of the soul. And to a living experience, so walking by faith. So I like how he says that. Um, but that's exactly what uh, Bob W. there. Uh, and you're in the back of the room, aren't you? You're paying attention. Um, <laughs> so, and that's basically what he exactly what he's saying there, which is cool. Um, so did you do you like that Merriman? 
So he says uh, that your love may abound in in real knowledge. We looked at that epinosis, and then he says all discernment, and discernment is eisthesis. Um, that's all discernment, and that's perception, and that's that has to do with the senses too, and also the intellect. But you're doing this mental exercise. You know, you see the word thesis in there. And that's, that's proving something out that's a, 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 well, it could be a scientific kind of pursuit, but, you know, this, we're not talking about science, but it's using your mind to, to take in doctrine and perceive it. And it comes out through the soul, making it real. Um, and, Andrew? Yeah. Just a, a parallel thought to what you guys have been saying. This is epi, which is upon knowledge. And it's a, if you will, a, a spiritual versus physical distinction here, so that there is a discernment that goes beyond what is physical and things that are heavenly, things that have to do with divine reality. Oh, and that's all wrapped up in epi? Roy? Yeah, I think so, because wow. he, he's taking you into the realm that we now live as new people, new creations. Upon. Okay, yeah. And you must be, because I'm getting to that too, Roy, So, but you said it much better, perhaps, than I'll get to it, but we'll look at that. Yeah. Um we have to remember that's a great point. It's it's a heavenly uh, sphere that we're this section here is an, a heavenly sphere sphere, um, which is all wonderful. Um, so Paul uses a similar uh, I call it a superlative description of Bible knowledge in Corinth, uh, Colossians two two and three right. that their hearts may be encouraged. Having been knit together in love, there's our word agape, and attaining to all the wealth that comes through the full assurance and under, of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge. That's, I mean, I, I'm, I didn't look that up, but I would bet you $100 that's epinosis. <laughs> uh, so if anyone wants to look at it, win $100 if it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, true knowledge knowledge of god's mystery that is christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge Uh, and that verse really wraps a lot of this into what we're studying here into one verse there um it has a result so that and this is Paul's probably favorite purpose clause. He uses a lot of so that's. Um, there are two of those in this verse 10. Um, result, uh, having the result of having the result of having your love super bound more and more in all real epinosis and discernment will then be, will then lead to you being able to approve the things that are excellent. 
there in verse 10, in the middle part of verse 10. Um, and it's trans, it can be translated, better translated this way. Um, I'm moving you guys out of this, my screen again. So that's the reason for the pauses there. I'm trying to move around uh, my mouse here. Uh, it's translated this way, that you may approve or try the things that differ has the same meaning. To put it to the test um, is what uh, uh, that means. Um, so it's best to, if you have a New American Standard, which I do and I used, but it'd be better if you lightly with your pencil crossed out the word excellent and put in differ or distinguish between so that you may prove things that differ or uh, distinguish between. Evaluate? Uh, evaluate? Yeah. Yeah, that could be. That's a cinnamon. cinnamon. Um, that could be wrapped in there. I, I would be good with that. Um, Cornelius uh, Stam has this book, Things That Differ. Uh, same kind of... Uh, what we're studying today. And uh, he, he has a whole book on how things that differ in the Bible. And he says, di he describes it this way, different things going to different places like uh, a post office. So you have stacks and 10,000 mail items at the post office. What they don't do is they, they, they don't stack it up. And then when you come into the post office, say, Oh, Roger, here, take off the top, <laughs> Bonnie. Here's the next one, uh, Margaret. So you're third down. Here's your mail, because uh, the mail has to go to different places. So they they divide that out by zip code, and then they put it in your. We, we in Telluride we have a peel box, so they I get it in the box. So that's different things going to different places. Is what this means. Um, here and with, uh, with, uh, and we're talking about the word of God here. So testing things that differ and it do dovetails with this discernment, um, thesis. And it seems to me to be an exercise in turning over in your mind, uh, doctrinal truths and examining them or evaluating them as, as you said for true meaning, for our own personal spiritual benefit, um, and growing up our inner man. Hey, Andrew? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the Holy Christian says, Holy Christian Bible says, uh, approve things that are superior, not just different. Yeah. You know, uh, we, need to, we need to test and approve the things that, so we can get a superior knowledge of God, I would think. Yeah, and the things, and one of the um, the sub definitions of that word is is excellent or superior. Mm -hmm. uh, that the things that um, that differ, and you're ordering. So it it has that it has that meaning too. You know how different words have a, a couple different meanings. So it's wrapped into that. Certainly. Yeah. And yeah. the things of God, right, are, that's true. I think that they use that in the Holman because they are superior, right, to, yeah. to yeah. earthly things or, or 
man-made knowledge. Uh, you know, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, their uh, footnote on verse 10 is uh, with a view of pro proving and so approving and embracing the things that excel, not merely things not bad, but the things right. best among those that are good, the things that are more advanced excellence. You know, yeah. so, uh, it's not just things we approve anything, but the things that really excel. Yeah, and, and that's, that, that's in comparison with what follows. Andrew hasn't gotten to that. It's a contract. That's excellent, yeah. And remember when I said, hold on to that word perseo um, a few slides back? Mm -hmm. uh, that word has excellent in it, or excel, mm -hmm. and things that are excellent too. So that word is better uh, kind of... Um, if you place the, our English word excellent with that word, then this, this word, um, this things that differ, uh, the, th what we're, he's basically saying the same thing he said to Timothy in, uh, to Timothy 2.15, be diligent, uh, to present yourself approved to God. And there God is, uh, approving you out, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And there's that word rightly dividing and that's the word actually excellent in verse 10 so same sort of um same concept is what he's giving uh, the philippines as he did to timothy so here's young's uh, literal translation in verse 10 and he says um for proving the things that differ that you may be pure and offense offenseless to a day of Christ. So I think those are better um, translations than my new American standard here. Um, so we need not be ashamed like the Bereans, right? That's what they did. They examined God's word carefully and closely and they scrutinized it. Uh, I think for, for its differences. Um, and one of the example is the difference between Israel and the church, what God plan that God has for Israel, plan that God has for the church, and what portions are their portions, and what portions are our portions. Okay, still on verse 10 here. Um, in order to be, here's another kind of uh, further purpose clause that Paul uses, um, that you may prove out the things that differ in order to be sincere and blameless is what he goes on to say. He's making a, f a further result clause here uh, so that you'll be sincere and blameless. I'll start with blameless, and that word is uh, aprokopos, aproskopos, aproskopos, and that means without offense or not stumbling, not being led to sin, or even lead others to sin. It could be... Um, and now we'll look at the word sincere. Uh, in Latin, it's sinacera. Uh, you see it there. And sina means without. Sarah means wax, without wax, or without wax works. And I just pulled this from a previous lesson. I Was it in First John? The, the word sincere appears. So we've looked at this before. Um, and in Greek, it's uh, 
elicrinase. There you see it. Uh, very similar meanings to the Latin meaning. Uh, elicrinase means uh, pure, um, or it comes from the word hile. You say H-E-I-L-E, uh, which is the sun, uh, and it means to judge by the sun, judge by the rays of the sun. And I think by this time you probably know where I'm going with this. Um, and that's the, um, they used to make these fine porcelain vases and they were very hard to make perfect so they didn't crack. But when a crack appeared, they would sell it anyway. But they would, what they would do is melt wax, fill in the crack with wax <laughs> and then the wax would cool and they'd, you know, sand it off and nice as white. They painted over white. And so you're trying to buy a fine porcelain vase, uh, but it has a wax seam running down the middle of it. So they paint that over and you couldn't tell. And the way you would tell is to go to the market and then hold it up to the sun and right. you see that dark seam of um, wax on your fine porcelain vase. Gene uh, here did that one time. A uh, guy was working at the house, and my fine ceramic vase got broken, oh. and she glued it, or he glued it back together, and it looked perfect. But then I was like, oh, wait, I see a seam here. <laughs> then she told me what happened. So <laughs> you can see this wax by holding it up to the sun, and that means judged by the sun. So in Greek, it's the same thing as what the Latin, uh, the Romans did in Latin, sinacera. Um, honest manuf manufacturers or honest merchants would then advertise their their vases as sinacera without wax or without wax works. Mm -hmm. So that's how we are to be, you know, um, sincere, sincere. Um, also a good, by the way, some of you know, Andy Williams has a wonderful song called uh, <laughs> Are You Sincere? And it adds a new meaning to that song. <laughs> yeah, you show you a couple bars of that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember the song. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Well, yeah, Google it. And yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Just giving you a hard time. But I never knew that. That's <laughs> so we're to be sincere and offenseless or blameless until the day of Christ. Now. We've got easy work for us here because last week we looked at the day of Christ. Um, but just a little more from our man, Gerald B. Stanton. Um, he says, universally, it's a, a time of blessing. Uh, nothing is predicted as having to take place before the day of Christ will come. In contrast, the day of the Lord, earthly, right? And day of Christ is heavenly. The day of the Lord is marked by all these signs that Christ gives in Matthew 24, signs in heaven and uh, things on earth, you know, earthquakes. And you'll, and he's talking about the day of Christ there. And um, I, I just, that comes off the top of my head is you'll see uh, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes um, is what he says. But day of Christ, nothing 
anticipates that. So it's he says it's the termina it's the termination of the church's pilgrim journey here on earth when we're taken up in the rapture, um, which is a time when he'll catch up his redeemed people to meet him in the air, as First Thessalonians four seventeen says, and the time for which he promised he'll come again and receive us to himself, that where he is, there we will be also. John 14, 3. And uh, Stanton goes on to say, it's a time when our salvation will be completed, uh, when we shall be with our blessed Lord, and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's very comforting, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> in all our circumstances, especially being in a gray and dreary uh, Maryland today. <laughs> oh, and I was going to say, if, if you're going to buy some, if I was to sell some porcelain vases to you, um, fine porcelain vases, I would just have you come over on a cloudy day. <laughs> That's the way to handle that issue <laughs> and then i won't have to be sincere <laughs> okay. Uh, okay here's verse 11 um having been filled with fruit of righteousness which comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god um boy these are meaty verses aren't they they are a lot of, a lot of seventy-five cent words as well. So having been filled is plero. Oh, there you see it. P l e r o o is what it is in the transliteration. Um, but that's what the filling that means to fill uh, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's a per- perfect passive participle. So the Holy Spirit is the is the agent who does the filling. And so I take it that the per- perfect passive, something done in the past and then having abiding results never to be repeated again, um, having lasting results into the future and the present and the future um, is what the perfect passive would be, right? Um, and Roger, you can kind of confirm yeah. that, Roy. Thanks, so. so. But then I thought, well, aren't we to be filled with the Holy and it's both basically because right. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a present. <laughs> and that's a command. So, so I kind of turned this around. Well, this is what I was, I was turning around and evaluating and uh, <laughs> the same thing of what it says to do here, trying to figure this out. So this is, it was a wonderful work. Uh, it was doing the same thing as uh, verses I'm presenting. But um, so what would that filling in verse 11 pertain to if it's the perfect passive? And then I thought, well, logically, it's the moment of salvation. Mm-hmm. When we believed on the Lord Jesus yeah. Christ's work on the cross and for forgiveness of sins, uh, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. Then we are filled. Uh, we are filled then with the Holy Spirit, and He came and dwelt us and, and filled us with the presence of Christ. Um, so that would be the perfect tense, passive voice. And it, um, Acts uses the same 
it's a different word, but it's, 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 um, when, uh, and who was the gentleman who received Paul at Damascus? That's, um, Ananias. Okay. Ananias. So he said, um, come here, Paul, and you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and th- so that was the moment of Paul's salvation there um, when he was filled. So it's the kind of same kind of thing. Um, so filled with what content? <laughs> is there a, anyone have a comment? <laughs> My idea is it this the, really the teaching of, of John and his epistles. I mean, the idea that we're the branches and he is the vine and Mm-hmm. And the verse that says the purpose is, is or the ma- manner is by Jesus Christ, right? So in a sense, the filling is the life of Christ, you know, manifested by the power of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. we're, we're the branches, and that we're the ones that express the fruit, but he's the one that's doing it. Right? Oh, that's a, good, that's a good way to go, too, is, is um, that passage in John. Um the abiding. I, I didn't think of that. I used another passage. I used John 17 kind of to describe this all. And, and you'll see it. Um, but that's good. That's good too. Um, so the, the, the content then is the fullness and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his person. And there I have uh, some, verse references in the Ephesians and, and John, John, uh, there it is, 16, and then John 17, um, and, and also 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7, I said, wow, this, this fits too. It's for God who said light, who, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge and glory of God in the face of Christ. And then inside us by this, by, but we have this uh, treasure in earth, earthen vessels uh, so that the surpassing greatness of the power uh, will be of God and not from ourselves. So that's right down the lane of, uh, of what we're being filled with and who's in us, uh, just as you said, Bob. Um, so his, when it says that we'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ there in verse 11, um, Christ is righteous. That's his very nature is righteousness. He's righteous. So that, that fruit we share with, right? So we have that righteousness and it's, he gives it to us freely is the, the way I read this, uh, this verse 11 and it's his right righteousness, not ours. Um, and the result again is to the pray to the glory and praise of God. Um, if then we are filled with, Christ's glory and his person, um, this glorifies the Father, right? 
um, from John 17 and one through five, you know, glorify me together with yourself, uh, with the glory I had with you before the world was, um, as well as when Christ was transfigured on the Mount, the, the voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So that's, that's God, the father praising his son there, um, uh, to the praise and glory uh, of, of the Father, God here. Um, and then we are simply beneficiaries of this relationship between the Father and the Son. Um, in John 17, 22 and 23, it's him sharing his glory with us. Um, yeah, there I make the point, uh, we, we are simple uh, we are beneficiaries of the sharing between the two of them. And we have Christ's righteousness. Um, and as Bob said, we are branches abiding in the vine, which is himself. And we have that union with him. That's kind of neat stuff. Um, and then I have on the next side, I have the addendum of the filling of the Holy spirit from the major Bible themes uh, session we did. Uh, years ago, Roger. Um, okay. <laughs> so it has where I'm getting this from, the filling. Um, and I'll let you see it here. Just so you know I'm not lying. There it is. <laughs> and that's where I got those uh, scripture references to. So, yeah. So final thoughts is I was I had this um, just thought that you know, can you study the intricacies of this doctrine too much? Um, other churches seems to me to dwell on like discipleship and and uh, following Jesus and things like that, and these these kind of broad terms. Um, and they use the word accountability as a way to grow spiritually. Um, but as we as you guys said in the beginning of class, these are, these doctrines are heavenly oriented verses that we need to understand. Um, so you need to bear down with these and get to know them, right? Um, and grasp them and, and they'll work themselves up through your, the facets of your soul. And then you can apply them. It's not so much dis, I don't know. It's not, Discipleship with Christ while he was on earth is that he was earthly then. Right. And he's now he's heavenly. So we need to learn about these. And um, J.B. Stoney says these these ver uh, Philippians is a man in heaven is written to the man in heaven uh, where we are. That's good. I like that. Um, so do you guys, I used to think that. I told my dad once that he asked if, you know, at Holly Hills, do, do we go too much into detail in the identification truths? And this was probably years and years ago, maybe 25 years ago. I said, yeah, I think so. You <laughs> go really into detail on that, dad. Uh, but now I, I, I've changed my mind. You changed your mind. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. I just, no, you can't get enough of this. No. To, understand it right 
Well, it's, in, it's not we're prone to go the other direction, the, you know, the, the, the fluffier direction and, and yeah. not know him. And, the, the, you know, the Christian life is about knowing Christ. If you don't mm-hmm. spend time with him and his word and, and see who he is, then you don't know who you are. And so it's that. As opposed yeah. to what would Jesus yeah, do? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. Just, I think so many of the denominations, they're, they're yeah. all about that. Yeah. Right. right. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to knowing right. him yeah. internally. Right. You know, when the trials come, the fluff just doesn't take care of <laughs> no, it. That, no, that work. <laughs> Builds up your capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have these these footholds and, and these things to hold on to doctrine, which you can grasp and hold on to, um, to help you through the experience of life, right? Because otherwise you're sort of floating around and, uh, but there's some specific information that Paul gives, really specific. Um, Say, Andrew, wouldn't it be nice if the Lord was standing right here in front of us, teaching us, but in a sense... He is. It's right here in the Word of God. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so that's, that's what's important, yeah. being in the Word of God. Exactly. Right. And this must be the information that Christ himself gave to Paul uh, in the wilderness, right? That he learned right. all this. He, he learned these things of them. And, um, you know, uh, in the 1030 uh, hour, we're doing the identification truths again, right? And many, a dozen, two dozen times over the, uh, many, but does it ever, do you ever go, go, oh, this is kind of got got old. (laughs) This is kind of boring. No, no. New things each time you kind of go over it, don't you? So it's, yeah, and that's turning these things over in your mind is, I think, what these verses say, so... Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, next week, uh, Roger asked me to teach, and one of the things that has happened so far is in studying your verses and the next verses. Oh, right. Yeah, is the focus here between God the Father and God the Son, that it's to the glory that the Father has in our Savior, his Son. That that's the plan of God to glorify his son. And in the process, when we look at it, we say, yeah, we share that glory of the son. Well, who's giving the glory to the son? Who's giving the glory, therefore, to us? Mm-hmm. It's our heavenly father. Isn't that something? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I took that... I- I hope that's okay to say. I mean, in John 17, where it's the two of them, but we're between them, and we're uh, we're being able to just be beneficiaries of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to say it. Um, it's that's wonderful. Yeah, well, I like that along that line. We're a gift from God the Father, God the Son. I always think yeah. I'm a gift. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't feel too too much like a gift. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, a good question. That's why I I keep him humble. <laughs> yeah, ten dollars or less, right? Right. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, this has been great, and I think it worked out well. 
I think yeah. you guys can hear me. No, that's great. Yeah, thanks, Andrew, for doing this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And I look forward then to dovetailing this uh, uh, Roy. Uh, yeah, that's great. And his things yeah. next week. That'll be great. Well, I'll close here. Um, our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for that uh, you share your glory with us um, and all the things that you have given to the, the, the Son, Jesus Christ, uh, you give to us, and we are um, abiding in Christ, and we, we are branches in, in the heavenly vine, and we have all that um, all that fullness and riches that we are recipients of and we can utilize um, in our daily walk. And we thank for that, and we we thank you for this time here uh, this morning. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.